0: Hello and welcome to the Small Business Sessions Powered by Zero. My name is Emma Jones, founder of Enterprise Nation, and I am absolutely delighted that our guest today is Jackie Ma, founder and CEO of Good Ordering. So welcome, Jackie.
1: Hello. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Well, lovely to have you. And Jackie, we're going to talk to you today about all things exporting, mm-hmm. but let's Go back to the beginning a little bit first, so tell us about good ordering and how it all came about.:
1: Well, um, yeah, good ordering started about five years ago, and I actually started the business um, partially while I was on maternity leave. I was living on top of a bike shop in Hackney, and uh, I would just get so annoyed at all the bikes. you know, like I was riding a bike myself, but it was just all the clutter and clanging of all the bikes, and it was literally like a penny dropped, and I'd been designing bags previously for about 10 years before. And I'd been thinking, what, I want to design, I want to have my own range of bags. What should I do? And then one day I literally looked out of the window and I thought, okay,
0: bike bags. I did not know, actually, you started when on maternity leave. I have heard, I was told this a few years ago, that um, when women give birth, apparently it releases a chemical that increases the level of confidence, which is why we see so many moms starting businesses. I don't know if that was kind of the so in your case, that if you hadn't, if you hadn't been having the baby, would you have felt that kind of surge of confidence to say, right, I'm going to turn this from an idea into a business?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the confidence probably started while I was actually still pregnant because that's when I started designing the range you know w- while the bun was in the oven and then um I guess the company launched when he was born and what I, w- I was actually really scared of being a, a mom I didn't want to be like I just thought my brain would turn to jelly and I was thinking I need to have something else to do or you know I kind of was using it because I was a bit in denial of just of being a mom so it, it turned out to be quite good because that first year when I was on maternity leave we kind of went around to all the shops together. That was the, the time where we really had to get out. And that's what you want to do with a baby. You want to go walking around the streets. And
0: that was when I kind of checked out all the shops. Nice. So on that market research side, so you did go out, you explored, and I guess you identified a gap in the market. So was that a case of reaching out to cyclists, going into the existing shops to see if this existed? How did you find out that this was something that you thought could turn into a business? What I tried to do because I
1: lived on top of the bike shop, who I was friends with, the the owner. So I asked Catherine, "Can I pretend that my samples are for sale in your shop?" And she said yes. Um, and we put prices on them and everything. And every day I would go down and ask, you know, did people come and look at them? Did you know what what did they pick up? What questions did they ask? She told me everything. And um, so that was a bit of the market research, and that helped to inform, you know what kind of
0: you know which styles were stronger and and that was you know that was a big part of the market research amazing that's just so lucky to have just literally that bike shop right below but 5 years on you've got your own shop which we're going to come on and talk about a little bit later because it's a fantastic kind of development I think for your brand but a little bit on the exporting um you're a made in britain product before we talk about kind of the export markets you're in has that been an important element of your exporting that you can actually put that made in britain tag on the products um well actually we have a range of stuff
1: that's made in Britain, but the majority of it is actually made outside of the UK. Um this was something that we did struggle with, with um, you know, like what is, you know, the the DNA of of the brand and what, you know, what how much do people really care about? And one of the things that was really important for my customers that I found out was that people wanted to have, you know, nicely designed products that were affordable. So that was kind of one of the um, strategies behind, like coming up with, like where the bags were going to get manufactured. But um, I do call, you know, Good Ordering is a Hackney brand, and all the research and all the um, the inspiration and the muses and the and the people that the the bags are designed after all kind of about this Hackney life of of not in a kind of hipster Hackney life, but in a kind of um, commuter, busy dropping the kids off, getting to work, going to work in a cafe, and then going for a few meetings it's this lifestyle that's really like active and you're always on the move you're always going from one place to another so therefore you need bags that are versatile that you can use for lots of different things and you know take to lots of different scenarios
0: you remind me actually we had a buyer come and speak at an event for us once and she was from a big um high street fashion store and she used to kept, she kept on saying about her customer. She was like, she is a lady who will go in and do her shopping at this kind of time. And it sounds as if you know exactly your customer as well. So is this something that you kind of keep in mind all the time of who your customer is? And then I guess, how does that relate when it's an international customer? So it's very much around the Hackney spirit and kind of style. Literally, how does that translate when you're selling into Korea, Hong Kong, etc.?
1: Well, one of the things that we found out is that this exact kind of person exists in little pockets all over the world. So you've got the exact mum in in a certain area in Berlin. You've got the same one in, you know, Williamsburg in New York. And what we found out when I went on the the trade mission with Enterprise Nation actually was that, you know, you just find those little tribes all over the world um, and they have the same kind of characteristics. And in fact, you know, they might've come over from that, from that place. I know when I went to New York for a little while to work and live there, that's, you know, I sort of found my little area that I fit into there. So I think the research um, aspect and like kind of identifying those little pockets that mimic your consumer here is sort of the key.
0: Lovely. And how are you identifying those pockets? So, and I know you came with us on a trade mission to Amsterdam and we had a one-day pop-up shop and I will never forget you'd invited a, a mummy blogger who'd got a big, big following. And I remember her turning up at the shop with like four beautiful little children and then we took pictures of them all with kind of all of their good ordering bags on. Is it all through social media where you're finding these pockets and then connecting with them online? Yeah, social media plays a huge part. Um,
1: the little drop down arrow on Instagram is, you know, really, really valuable. So you find someone that you really like and you go, hmm, what are the other similar ones, you know, similar accounts to that person? So that's really, really valuable. Um, identifying them through um, the other people that they follow and just sort of following the trail from the social media point of view, but also um I guess, in real life, also introductions getting out there, going to those markets, and you know just talking to people also is a good way to find out who those people are
0: and we'll come back to kind of the importance of visiting the territories, but still just sticking with the online element. Do you sell good ordering bags on the big online marketplaces or is it only via your own website, and what's been the thinking behind that? yep,
1: i so I do sell on some of the platforms So the marketplaces like not on the high street and um I was on Etsy as well. Um, they were really good for getting the brand out there. So I really kind of treat those as a marketing, um, you know, a marketing expense or a marketing thing because ultimately a lot of people might go to my website anyway and buy them from there. I also was on Amazon, and that's a good way to reach the global market. So I might not really focus on Amazon in the UK because obviously I've got my own web store, but I might focus on Amazon FR or you know, Spain, Germany. Those kind of ones where they can also do the fulfilment. Um, yeah, I guess the the social media side of it is yeah, it's it's the it's what the whole brand is built on. In fact, on our store, which we'll talk about later, I've just got a sign that got delivered this morning, which I've got a huge sign that just says "Good Ordering Offline Store." The whole idea of like good ordering was born
0: online, and actually, this
1: is the secondary thing. It's the offline store. This is going
0: physical, so people can literally come and visit and touch the product, which I I have heard a story, and I haven't seen you since I've heard the story, that someone recently visited your physical store from quite a distance who was an international customer. So tell us about that. Yeah, I
1: was um, in the store, it was just last week, and this lady was sort of looking at her phone and navigating with her phone like she was playing that, that game, you know, that What's it called? That game that everyone plays with their phone looking for those little creatures. Where you
0: hunt the creatures yeah. <laughs> and people bang into walls. They bang straight into your shop.
1: Yeah, yeah. So she she opened up the shop. She was like, Yay, I found it. And it was um a woman from Hong Kong who had just dropped her daughter off. This is really weird. At boarding school. She's going she was going for the parent-teacher day at her board, child's boarding school. And um she'd been following us on Instagram for a while and she was going to maybe buy the bag online. But in the end, she came into the store, and rather than buying sort of one bag, she ended up buying three bags, which is you know, the store has to make money for itself as well. Um, and we ended up you know chatting for ages, and you know she, she we have a sofa there, and and she kind of sat down, she had a cup of tea, and the whole thing was that she could really understand about the brand, and we 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 stood there, and we like followed each other on Instagram, and we have a lot of you know there's a lot of time, and it's quite a slow process. Whereas like th- online, when you're only selling online, then it's a different kind
0: of experience. It's much more transaction driven. But as you say, kind of the physicality gives you that opportunity to kind of really engage and kind of get to know the customer. And and where are you finding most of your international orders are coming from? So you've mentioned these pockets of communities that exist in countries all over the world. How does it work? Do you get orders from the territories and then do more to kind of research who else is out there? Or do you proactively research and the orders come in? So kind of which way is it? Orders coming in or you doing the research first? I think I do actually think that there is a natural like hierarchy of the bigger countries that are
1: naturally going to trust UK-based websites to buy stuff on. So our biggest um, customers outside the UK come from the States and then Germany. The States, then Australia, then Germany, then Italy, France, that kind of thing. Um, But it does weirdly coincide with the makeup of our team. So I have a German lady Rona who works with me and an Italian Andrea. In fact, we do story time, German and Italian story times on Wednesdays and Thursdays to just to really celebrate that international kind of vibe of the company. So I don't think it's that much of a coincidence because we 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 might translate our hashtags into German and we our whole team have access to our Instagram account so we're always chatting to different people but in different languages. So I guess aside from the English US stuff um and and the australian maybe because what happens is that um okay so the process is that someone buys a few people buy bags from australia and then shops and distributors get in touch and so then they flood the market with more bags so i've got a big customer in australia who is at all the coolest markets in sydney and then that encourages more orders because then more people might see the bags and then buy them online. So it's kind of a combination of they need to kind of get there and then it reaches a kind of critical mass and then it, it starts rolling more. So I think that's, that's what happens. And then in terms of the focus, we, can't, we don't have a big team to focus on lots of different regions. So I guess for 2018, we do want to focus on the States because we know that there's a big market there. Um,
0: but at the moment, it's Australia, Germany and Italy that is doing quite well. Okay. So for this year, you have decided let's put focus into one market, but just um, one thing that you said about the localization aspect. So speaking to customers in their own language, have you seen that that has more readily converted browsers into buyers? So if a German customer comes on, they see your Instagram account, do you feel they're more likely to buy if they can see that someone's chatting to them in their native tongue?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it just gives that extra level of reassurance and, um, it actually just gave me an idea. I mean, we don't even have; it's all in English mostly. But it's not. We haven't really found a way to really put it out there that you know you can speak to our customer. You know, our our team in these other different languages. But um, I think that it's more that they know the people, so they know Rona, so they'll they'll talk to her and and they, in, in German, or they will know Andrea, so they'll speak to her in Italian.
0: So they get to know her them individually nice and on customer support so if the US is kind of a big target market for you this year of course with there's kind of this well depending on which part of the US there's this time difference how do you manage customer inquiries coming through say it's 9 p m our time which is still working hours US time are you using any kind of technologies to manage that to look as if you're kind of providing that US time customer support yeah, we do
1: have um we do use facebook a lot for like the instant messaging and in facebook you can actually set a, a message
0: that goes straight
1: back to someone when they when they like it's like an out of office kind of thing so we do say we say you know we've got your message you know you know we'll get back to you as soon as we can type of thing but i think the main thing is that our team and we do actually all work all the time so you know a lot of our team you know we we knock off at 3 to go maybe pick up our kids or whatever but then we'll be back we we'll, it, it's that whole mobile life so if a as long as you set your kind of um, notifications correctly. I kind of do have an expectation that people will write back immediately. As you know, as if it's urgent, then they'll write back immediately.
0: And I have seen you in action um, in America. So we did a trade mission to the US. Uh, last year, 2017. And we did a one-day pop-up. And I have to say, I have never seen an entrepreneur do a pop-up as well as you. Um And so for anyone who's kind of listening, who's thinking actually the way that I can test a market, say it is the US, because it's really cost-effective, fly into New York, do a one-day pop-up. Give some thoughts around how do you attract people to your. I mean, for us, it was just kind of literally you had a table on a pavement in New York Chinatown. How did you attract people and then turn those people into buying customers on the day? Um, Well,
1: first of all, I guess I try to do as much research beforehand as possible. So, like setting up meetings, kind of like the Amsterdam thing. Um, So that homework is really, really important. But then, if for some reason, then you can't do the the homework and you're just there, and you've got to make the most of it, and people just aren't buying then the first thing i think of is okay they might not be buying the bags but what can i get out of them can i get information from them and then so then i just shift the focus to like okay i need to find out this this and this or i'm going to get this many email addresses or i'm going to ask them why they're not buying or something like that but then in actually what happened in new york was that it was so slow you know it was just it just hadn't picked up that traction and then it was just some of, one of those weird things that happened in restaurants that Once you've got a bit of buzz, people just sort of are coming and then, you know, it attracts more people. So I think one of the things that I always do, even on the markets when I do on Saturdays, is I just always try to look busy and just be busy and just always busy myself doing stuff. And that's the kind of – and then the conversion to the sales is really to remove – not to try and focus on um, all the reasons for them to buy it but removing all the reasons for them not to buy it. So I would say, if you're not happy with it, send it back, you know, we'll refund you or, you know, like just removing all those kind of reasons why, or if it's that someone doesn't really trust completely, then I might show them the Instagram account and then they can say, Oh, you've got that many followers. Well, you know, that just build that credibility or I might show them the website. So just really trying to read each person individually. And, and in fact, we're actually, I mean, I think I'm okay at sales, but Rona, who's in my team, she's amazing at sales and she's got a psychology degree and we're actually going to run some kind of sales psychology workshops
0: in our shop as well. Is that another thing that you just look to do is how can I attract these people closer to me? And then as you say, kind of if they're not buying the bags, at least let me get data, email, et cetera.
1: Yeah. I think that I just think definitely it's all about creating a experience so it's creating the experience of someone going you know i'm making i'm doing something it's an activity so it's like just engaging all the senses like um we do that at the market as well do the badge making and you know just offering something more than just trying to sell it like at the end of the day we're part of you know if you're selling something you're part of the community you're taking up space on on the street you've got to give something back and that's something that i kind of feel otherwise what's the point um we might not i'm you know we might not be selling bags to someone now, but we might be selling them to them, you know, like next week or next month or something Lovely. So
0: once you've caught that customer, once you've kind of attracted them to you, hopefully try and keep them a customer for life. So in 2018, it's a big year for you. You have got the shop that's open full time now, which is incredible. International sales are still coming in. What, I guess, are kind of your growth expectations? What are you most excited about? What do you kind of feel the year's going to hold? Well, I think this year I need
1: to... um, focus on the US and I need to get on more planes. I need to go there. I I need to go to like places like Portland and like all these places that are huge cycling cities, San Francisco. Um, and ultimately I feel like I'm doing like an online dating. Like I feel like I'm I'm dating. Like I'm want to find my distributorslash partner in the States. And that's my mission for the year is to, you know, like fall in love with someone and have someone fall in love with me and and for that to happen, that magic. That's the goal. (laughs)
0: I feel as if we've turned into a dating <laughs> show. I feel like saying if anyone's listening and you feel you can match these requirements, this is Jackie Mara of Good Ordering who is out on that mission. But I have no doubt, uh, having watched you as an entrepreneur over the past couple of years grow this amazing business, I've got no doubt that that's what you're going to find. So Jackie, thank you so much for joining us today. That was the Small Business Sessions from Enterprise Nation Powered by Zero. Go to enterprisenation.com forward slash podcast to find out more. And big thanks to audio and podcast production service PodRafi for producing this show. See you next time.